Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encompasses the world. Ooh. Something about the periwinkle sweater and the reading glasses. Yeah, really, pull really it off nicely. Soothing, don't I? He looks Michael. sage. There's sage. Yeah. Wise old man. Um, it's either that or the bourbon, but I'm ready for nap time. Albert now. Einstein. <laughs> Albert Einstein. Can you read that one more time? I like that. Welcome to Trade Secrets. We are excited to have you back. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or Apple Music, please like, love, thumbs up, tell your friends, share the links. Um, it's been great to see the fan base grow, and we'd love to continue to do so with the goal of, at some point, somebody sponsoring our bourbon outside of our clients who continue to do great things. This one today, which we'll talk about a little bit later, was brought to us by one of our good friends, Joe, and I am excited to uh, try it with the group. But today's topic um, is driven by an article that was in the paper this week that started with not a typo. And that was courtesy of a marketing brochure that we had launched for um, a property that we're working on. And in the subject line to the brokerage community, we said not a typo in hopes to ensure that they realized that the subject was Indeed, not a typo. So, well, <laughs> the the asking price. So it was marketed at three fifty per square foot triple net, which is what we wanted to call out. This is not a typo. It's not meant to be thirteen fifty, twenty three fifty, twenty three, which would have been more in line with what you would typically see for market office rents. Um, that is what the not a typo was in reference to. Yeah, because as you said, it's an office building and rents are. You know, in the Pittsburgh suburban market, somewhere in the fifteen to twenty-five dollar a square foot triple net rents, and we're saying three fifty. And if nothing else has happened in the last few days, it has created quite the stir in the conversations of our peers. Um, so I think that there's a lot of places we could go with why we decided to market a piece of property at. $3.50 a square foot when the market is doing something completely different. Um, and just for context, I think, you know, it's helpful if you guys, I mean, the two of you remember, but our audience, you know, we got asked to go look at a portfolio of office properties in a northern suburb that admittedly didn't even want to go look at. Like, I strongly encouraged the client to uh, do better things <laughs> with their time and resources, but uh, they demanded that we went and looked, and we went and looked. And uh, as we were walking out the building, I called my wife and I said, why am I the lucky guy who now wants to buy a vacant office building portfolio in suburban Pittsburgh? So I think that's the context, and I think you guys both have lots of questions on how we got from that moment to where we are today with uh, the local newspaper saying... This is interesting enough to write a story, even though there's yeah. really not a conclusion to the story. So, yeah, I mean, I guess my first first question is, is this a midlife crisis or <laughs> <laughs> is there some kind of investment thesis uh, backing up? You'd be better off with a was, Porsche. Was Lisa just like, buy a sports car, honey? <laughs> <laughs> buy a Porsche, yeah, right. Yeah. That is the funniest question I've heard in the last five days. Um, 
in the sense that multiple people have asked me if there's a thesis. Like, they think this is just... I mean, the article even, like, insinuated that this was a losing proposition, which I am maybe yeah. crazy, but I'm not stupid, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a thesis, and the thesis at 20,000 feet is that the office market, not just in Pittsburgh, but throughout the country, has been really impacted by COVID. We've talked about return to work and blah, blah, blah. But I think that there is a growing resentment in the executive ranks in the professional world about this perception that people are more productive at home and therefore they don't need to come to the office. So you've got that like percolating in the background. Um, and then you've got this office park already see O'Hara, which is, you know, 20 minutes uh, via Route 28 north of the city of Pittsburgh that is in a very affluent community, lots of rooftops, lots of workers. So you've got this dynamic where you have executives who live there, an office park right next to their house. You've got workers who, if they're saying they don't want to go back to work, maybe they don't want to drive into the city. Maybe they don't want to deal with God for saving parking, 28. For sure. Right, maybe they don't want to pay for parking. Um, but the executive is still saying to themselves, can I justify paying all of this rent for space that's only getting used a day a week, three days a week? Um, or paying all of this for rent and then also having to pay my employees more for the, you know, their commute into and out of the city, cover their parking, et cetera, et cetera, to entice them into a downtown office as opposed to. Yeah, and the wild is the, the thesis really came because said executive who said, come look at this knew that there was another executive in town who was parking in this parking lot to walk to his house because that's how interrelated the suburban lifestyle is from this office park. And I just said, like, man, like maybe maybe there's something here. This is a beautiful building. It was formerly the headquarters for Giant Eagle. They had a, an amazing 20-year run there. Their business, I don't know how many X's it multiplied over those 20 years, so it clearly was conducive. It's a gorgeous piece of real estate, um, awesome, you know, park-like setting. And I just said, man, you wonder what if you could buy this for, you know, a number whereby you could also then offer rent to somebody at such a low number that they would say, you know what, I'm moving my company to RIDC O'Hara, and if you work here, deal with it, because I just got the deal of the century on that space. And that is the solution to are you crazy or not? Okay, you got the deal of the century because you did the math. But what's it? The, the subjective part, will people come back to, to work and have commute times and yada, yada, yada. But there was an opportunity to buy a property that had a residual cash flow, not enough to cover the property, there was a client that was going to solve, what, 50, 60% of the rest of that equation? Maybe. And which left a very nice opportunity to offer a, a property at way, way below market rates. And to back up the bus even more, so this property is part of a three-building portfolio that was marketed by JLL for sale did not get any traction. They then went to CoStar in 10X and put it on an auction block, did not meet the reserves. 
Um, and then we decided maybe now is a good time to go look at it. And I think that, you know, crazy maybe, but I, I think it's just looking at the world from a different lens. I think everybody else was looking at it one way. It's vacant office. There's no demand. It's 20 years old. There's absolutely no creativity with how they were seeing it. Right. Whereas if you stopped and you looked at it from a different direction, you're going to see, wait a minute, I have an asset here. I have something else that's a possibility here. And then it creates this opportunity. And then the risk component of that is negligible. And anyone who's sitting there saying, you're crazy, you're seeing something that nobody else could. Or has just chosen not to. I think that the office landlord world has adopted this philosophy that it needs to be class A, it needs to have a fitness center, it needs to have a cafe, it needs to be the Rolls Royce of office, and therefore people will pay a premium. And while I think that that has probably um, been the headline for the last decade, like flight to quality, flight to quality, flight to quality, at the end of the day, at least in my crazy brain, the quality of the foundation of the building is what's really, really important. And this building has an unbelievable foundation. And I think our theory is that somebody will take advantage of that foundation and does not need to turn it into the Rolls Royce in order for it to attract just a hardworking company who's ready to... Someone will take advantage of it because you've yeah. eliminated the majority of the risk. Right. And they've never been faced with this decision. Wait a minute. You, you mean I can I can have all of this for that price? It becomes the too good to be true offer, which is definitely what a lot of the chatter in the town is which going is, on right which now. Which is why it had such legs in in the media, right? Because someone called up and said, "You can't be doing this." Yeah, I think the quote was "bargain basement rents," um, but that's neither here nor there. Right. Um, so another question I have is why. Are you the first? I mean, there are a lot of office landlords, investors that um, I think are doing things that are equally as risky, but in, you know, maybe larger stakes uh, investments. Mm -hmm. So why do you think you or Totem Development was the first qualified investor to come in and say we'll take this and we'll do this and we'll you know i'm interested as to why you think they're if the numbers work for what you would have to charge for rent in order to get um a preferred return here why hasn't anyone else done that math and come to the same conclusion i i think that the uh the complicated thing is you use the word preferred return. And I would argue from Totem's perspective, at least in this particular case, it's what's an acceptable return. And I think that, um, you know, my mentor early in the business told me they got pigs got fat and hogs got slaughtered. And I think that we're in a situation where we were able to get this property under contract for such a low basis, which we can get into what basis means, but such a low basis that you have two options. Option A is 
You take the low basis and then you go and reimagine the building, pour a ton of money into it, create a new basis, a la or vis-a-vis what rugby is doing out at the airport. They just had an open house, paid 20 or 33 bucks a square foot for a building, put another 150 into it, plus or minus, you know, don't quote me on those numbers, but at the end of the day, they're into the building for $250 a square foot in order to get a 10% return on their money. They got to charge 25 bucks a foot triple net. Um, so that's a philosophy. The philosophy is really got a good deal on the building, flight to quality. So I'm going to create quality. Once I create quality, if you build it, they will come. And in our case, we think that there's so much quality to the foundation of the building. I mean, architecturally, it's very appealing. It's got great landscaping, as mentioned in a park-like setting. And instead of saying everybody wants the fancy new shiny thing this theory is we were able to buy it for an attractive price and therefore why don't we say to the tenant community we're not trying to rake you over the coals we got a good deal we want you to get a good deal and oh by the way it is 70,000 square feet of vacancy in a market that has got about 200,000 square feet of office space available so the risk is is the good deal enough to woo people into the market and then fill up this building because we have zero desire to own a building that's vacant like we want to fill it up well it's the 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 call is that it's this is the bargain basement because that seventy thousand square feet of space is not available anywhere else never mind the 200 because it's going to be five times more expensive than you have to fit it out it you just have to look at the world in a different way yeah go ahead i was going to say so when you were like assembling the financing structure of this um you know i know there are some office developments where even with the high vacancy they can't go under a certain dollars of rent because Mm -hmm. of how the financing was underwritten right so what does that look like when you're buying like you said a a two property portfolio where one of the two properties is a fully vacant seventy thousand square foot office tower, office building. I think that the reality, so you're talking about loan covenants, right? So you buy a building, you get debt on it by your local bank or an insurance company or a credit union, whatever the case may be. And inside those documents, they say, here are the things you're allowed to do without our permission. Typically, one of those things is where your rent needs to be because they underwrote it based on a specific amount of rent, specific about occupancy. I mean, the fact of the matter is this deal does not work in that traditional setup where you get bank financing. I mean, this is a, a solution that is creative and we think will be successful, but can only happen in an environment where you're using cash or equity to fund the thesis. Um, but the great news about funding the thesis with cash or with equity is that if you prove the thesis out and you fill up the building, then all of a sudden you can go refinance it with traditional debt and the loan covenants are based on what you've created versus your theory about what was going to get created. It's a really good question. And this is clearly a one-off because the other parts of the planet's aligning wouldn't occur normally. And anyone's going to pour that amount of money in a traditional space with putting heavy TIs into it 
you're still spending a great deal of money anyways. That's going to be leveraged in a conventional manner. The hysterical thing about this is just we haven't really talked about it. It cracks me up to no end. So the article comes out on Monday, was it? Something like that. Um, maybe last, last Friday. Week. Yes, last Friday. And then on Monday, an article comes out that the former occupant of the building, who has since gone 100% work from home, is looking for new office space. <laughs> you know, is bonkers as it sounds how funny would it be if they came back to where they used to be because their occupancy costs by my estimation would have dropped by like 87 percent and they had a really really good run while this was home base so if you could drop your operating costs by 87 percent and go back to the place where you hit a lot of home runs it's a pretty interesting story. It probably won't end up that way, but I think it is fascinating. Did, but they owned that. They owned it outright. No, their sister company owned the building. Oh, so they were still paying rents, even though they were there for twenty years. It's not like they paid off the note and Correct. just okay. Right. So an interrelated party owned it, and for the life of me, and you know, I don't know these guys from Adam. I just can't fathom why they weren't doing it. They don't have any debt. They're sitting on an amazing asset, and rather than try to lease it up in a creative fashion, they just do said, let's think, get rid of it. Do you think it's because they own other similar office properties that do have some occupancy, and they don't want to devalue their other properties by offering lower rental rates at this property? That's interesting. It's possible. I mean, we did have a developer in town call us and say, why are you trying to crash the office market, which is not the case. Um, you know, my reaction to that is, it, you know, you can do what you can do on a, on a real estate deal based on what your basis is. Like if there's one lesson to take away from this conversation, and it was a lesson that I learned very early on in my career is that basis is the only thing that matters because mm -hmm. you don't make money on real estate. Usually by what you sell it for, you make it on how you bought it. So it's a Megan Trainer song, right? Oh, really? No. Oh. <laughs> it's all about that base, but you could make <laughs> it all clearly about Clearly, I think the, 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 other, the development in the landlord community would have been really upset to see that comp go out there showing that, you know, rates had floored, but it is a one-off. It's just, it's, it, it's something, it's just a complete outlier. Yeah, I don't think this resets it the market would, in It any doesn't way. reset the market at all. Now, if it was done any number of times, obviously that's going to have a much more dramatic effect. But nobody wants to go into that meeting and say, well, why should I need space at 25 bucks a foot where I can get it for 350 And listen, even at this table, there was some disagreement about what that bargain basement rent should be. If the market's 15 why not offer it for 8 or 5 or 7 Like, why go all the way to 350 And, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's indicative of wanting to fill the hole. I mean, that's a big hole. 70,000 square feet's a big hole. So let's see what we can do to quickly fill the hole, create a long-term cash flow solution that works for us and our investors. And, you know, maybe over the course of the next 10 years, the market fixes itself and you're not leasing it for 350 anymore. But you still only paid. Yeah, you, may, you might get all the way up to 450. Would <laughs> <laughs> be a win. That'd be a really good win. Um, and it's funny, one of our partners um, in this endeavor, he said, you know, why are we always zigging when everybody else is zagging? And I don't know that there's any theory behind that other than 
I, I like to think whether we're representing clients or we're, we're looking at it from our own investment strategy. You got to be looking at the world differently than everybody else. Otherwise, it's really hard to to make it a difference. You have to be looking at the world from all directions, and you have to have the courage to say, I'm going to do something that is completely the polar opposite of what the market says. This is a building that other people looked at that everyone said has hairs on it, but they never really dissected it to say it has this value, it has this value. Having another tenant in tow didn't hurt. Right. And it was just... But recognizing about, the opportunity and being able to act on it. Think that's, about that other the the tenant who's maybe in tow, right? We don't quite know yet if mm-hmm. they are, but you know they're an obvious contender for the building. Reached out to them and said, "Hey, did you look at that building? It's for sale. It's right down the street." And they're like, "Yeah, we drove in the parking lot." And I, I just feel like one of the things that too many people do in the real estate space is they only look at the cover. They don't go look underneath the hood, and had he looked underneath the hood, I think he would have had a different perspective. And I think even the brokerage community, the real estate, I talked to many people in the last week who were like, oh, that's crazy. What are you thinking? I'm like, did you ever tour the building? They're like, no. Like, how do you know? Like, <laughs> until you go walk every inch of the building, great restrooms, great floor plan, good elevators, wonderful window line. Like, those are things you just can't get by looking at a brochure. So go kick tires. Repositioning property has been a part of real estate for forever. If you look at some of these old warehouses that someone went in and all of a sudden made this great, great, great space, the first people that went in and said, this is just an overwhelming task. How can we ever make anything worthwhile out of this to repurpose the property? Yeah, look at the news today, 51 Bridge Street in Aetna. I mean, horrible, disaster, dilapidated building. Some investors from New York who paid a lot of money for it, and everybody in town said they were crazy. They invested, which I even said they were crazy, a fortune into the building to make it, you know, 2023. But it's it has been a long road. And then today they announced that Westinghouse has leased the entire building for an undisclosed amount of years. But I guarantee it's a long-term lease at full value rents and... You know, they saw something when the market said, who wants to buy a four-story warehouse in Aetna mm-hmm. and turn it into Class A flex office space? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, yeah. I think that's the interesting thing, too, is like one thing about real estate is you can't make more of it. Mm-hmm. So land is finite, The you know, and maybe the asset itself isn't the new shiny penny, but... I think what we have seen throughout history is that everything is cyclical. So, like, that property, 51 Bridge Street, was probably functionally obsolete. Or, like, it, you At know, least for the last 20 years. Right. Yep. But now people are realizing that's a shitload of flat land, and it is a perfect template. Like, yes, we're going to have to invest the money, but that capacity just doesn't exist in many places with the proximity to the um, amenities that they need system right so you know throughout the cycle that becomes a valuable property again Um, and I think the same thing with office space I think you know 
there might there will be repositioning there will be repurposing there will probably even be some people just level it and start over mm -hmm. but you can't make more land you can't make more developable land and so i think the the theory of zigging when people zag it's like we were we were talking about briefly before we started recording like buy low, add value, and sell higher. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think realizing that there are cycles, like I think about like, I remind myself of this sometimes when I have trouble sleeping because of how expensive everything is, Michael. You said when you signed your first mortgage, it was at a 17% interest 13 rate. 13 and a half. Okay. Um, I was counting. Right. But <laughs> even still, I mean. That's double where we're at today. Yeah. And, and we're double where we and were. And we're two years still ago. here. Right. Like mm -hmm. things, even though things, the outlook might not be incredible. We're not gonna. It's not gonna fall off a cliff. So I just but think that it it's, encourage necessity encourages creativity, and the creativity is has to be combined with courage to actually do it. You know, I I, I always go back to I, I call it the Starbucks model. When they came up with the first Starbucks. And saying I'm going to charge a dollar seventy nine for a cup of coffee, when every fast food place had coffee that was available for thirty nine cents and forty nine cents, everyone said this guy was crazy. But he positioned it and he presented it in a way that he actually pulled it off, and, and now I, it's become the absolute mainstream. And I think that that that's actually interesting. I think what we're doing here with this quote unquote bargain basement rent is like the opposite of the Starbucks effect. Mm -hmm. Like not everybody wants a dollar seventy nine cup of coffee. The number one selling car in America is the Ford F one fifty. There are people who just want a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And I think that our theory is there are people who just want some basic office space with a great window line, a great parking setup, and oh by the way, two or three minutes from my house. And by the way, it's like it might not be for everybody, but there is that one person out there that says, yeah, this is going to save me a fortune. A fortune. I'm going to be able to take advantage of that. I'm going to be creative because now I have something that nobody else does and that gives me an advantage. And maybe I can do some really unique things that get people back to work because I didn't spend all of my uh, margin on expensive real estate. And nothing prevents him from putting all those wonderful, unique amenities into the space also. Correct. Mm -hmm. right. But he's just doing it at one-fifth of the cost. <laughs> exactly. It's fascinating. I love it. So in times like this, I think the most important thing is to remain creative, to remain open, and every opportunity that you see, look at it a little bit deeper than just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I mean, the the funny thing is the original phone call to go look at the building was, um, let's tear it down and build apartments. Well, <laughs> that's great, um, but it's an office and industrial park. And I think crazy would be, would be being the first person to build apartments in that park. You know, maybe someday that works, but I don't know. I like zigging when everybody else sags. At least it keeps it, uh, it's not mundane, that's for sure. Well, even beyond that, the, the opportunities exist everywhere. But you have to really look at them so much deeper than, you can't just go in there and say, 
oh, this doesn't work for me. And I think it's about, I think it's probably about getting creative with revising your investment criteria. Like, yes, would everyone want to buy a, an industrial multi-tenant at a 12 cap right now? And, you know, everyone, when everyone wants the same thing, the competition is higher. So when so therefore supply drops. So yeah. So when you are rise. when you're willing to take a lesser return for an opportunistic investment in an investment class that not everyone is flocking to right now, um, it's it's a crazy opportunity, but it just could be crazy enough to work. <laughs> Maybe crazy <laughs> enough to work. You never know. Well, we're gonna give it a a run for its money. Crazy's worked over a period of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so how about this bourbon? What did we drink today, Mr. Van We drank, okay, we drank a, <laughs> uh, all right, it's a, it's a Pennsylvania, I thought it was good. I um, loved it. It says it's proudly aged and bottled in Elverson, Pennsylvania, but. First person who can tell us where Elverson, Pennsylvania is. Wins a free a set, on YouTube. Free set a of free steak knives. Of no, no steak <laughs> knives. They get a free bottle of this. Okay, but it's bottled by Brandywine Branch Distillers, distilled in Indiana, USA. No, uh, Indiana the state or Indiana PA? It says Indiana, USA. Hmm. That's a very good question, Paige. You, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah, I like it. Yeah? Yeah. Since I got over my uh, yeah. initial sip. No, this is not bad. This is a 100-proof bourbon, by the way. Oh, great. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's on a limited run. This happens to be Bash 614. Oh Will God. not be returning any more emails today. <laughs> yes, oh, absolutely. Lord. So I'm going to give yeah, it a thumbs up. I think up. it's good. I mean, especially for 100-proof. It doesn't have that much. Uh, it's not... No kick, right? Yeah, it's not spicy right like now. some of the other ones. Right. <laughs> Thanks to our friend Joe for sending um, it yes. away. It's Thank gonna you. be one of those days where after the podcast no one can make eye contact with Michael Castle or we'll be here till eight PM <laughs> talking about guitar riffs and politics. <laughs> and zigging and zagging. And we usually end with a trade secret, but obviously that's not gonna happen today. So any final questions about vacant office buildings and final suburban questions. office parks? The only thing that I would add is that the repositioning of properties has happened forever. I mean, this is something that's been going on. I don't want to go into the Wayback Machine here, but uh, there was a time in Northern Virginia or in markets that were growing much faster. They were actually repositioning warehouse spaces and actually turning them into flex office parks um, by buying them and taking the rents from five bucks a foot to 25 bucks a foot just by adding lobbies and uh, mezzanine spaces. Mm -hmm. This was a it was probably pre that, the 24-hour news cycle where they needed to create think, a constant stream of doom and gloom to uh, I think it was probably make us pre all scared cable that office, news, was yes. office was dead forever. Yeah, yeah. and that's what's so frustrating. We decided not to return comment on this article because it's like, why is this even a story? Yeah. Um, like when we fill the building up and there's a great success success story and a company has like planted their flag, like that's a story to me. I think this mm -hmm. part is just blocking and tackling. And that story probably 
five years after the initial occupancy will be they took advantage of an opportunity and had an incredibly low overhead mm -hmm. to allow their company to grow. Yeah, it's it's opportunistic. There will always be companies, even if the work from home trend continues for certain companies in certain industries, there will always be companies in every industry, not just in real estate, that will zig when other people zag. There'll be companies that make it their competitive advantage where everyone else is remote and you never meet your colleagues face to face. But there will be companies that want to really prioritize that culture and they want people on their team that want to collaborate and be around other people. And they might they might thrive because of an opportunity to have office space at one-third or one-fourth of what market rents are in a time like this. So. And there are other markets with pre-2000 or pre-1990 product that have larger footprints because the world worked differently then. Right. They can be converted and just uh, a, a very creative approach to everything. Yeah, it's exciting times. I look forward mm -hmm. to any of you who are out there uh, reaching back out to us first quarter 2024 because... At that point, the end of this book will probably be written, and we'll know if it was a good zag or a, a terrible zag. I'm excited to see how the jury. Plays I will. Out. I will end it on one <laughs> on a quote. It'll either be great or oh. I'll be living there. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encompasses the world. Ooh. Something about the periwinkle sweater and the reading glasses. Yeah, really pull really it off nicely. Soothing, don't I? He looks Michael. sage. Sage, yeah. wise old man. Um, it's either that, that was actually or the bourbon, but I'm ready for nap time. Albert now. Einstein. <laughs> Albert Einstein. Can you read that one more time? I like that. I can, but I need the glasses again. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encompasses the world. Love it. And with that, that is a wrap on Trade Secrets. Again, check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. Like, listen, love, share. And uh, we look forward to the next one.